Hey everyone, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Uh, I had a very cool interview recently with Devin Field. Uh, Devin Field is sort of a polymath of comedy. He is a writer for Jimmy Kimmel Live. He performs on a UCB main stage team called Yeti. Uh, and if you guys don't know, uh, UCB is a huge improv theater in Los Angeles that started in New York. So that's actually a big deal in the improv world. Uh, I don't know if we have improv listeners, but that's big. He also does a lot of stand-up comedy and was recently featured on Comedy Central for his 30-minute special. So I think it's really cool to see someone writing, doing improv, doing stand-up, pretty much doing three different things in comedy that are all kind of fundamentally intertwined. Uh, But it is really cool to see someone actually succeeding in all of those things. Because you usually hear uh, people talk about how you kind of have to do one thing at a time, kind of. So, either way, I learned a lot, and I know you guys will, too. So, please enjoy. Do whatever you got to do. Cool. Yeah, this sounds good. I think we have good sound. Great. Great. Well, thanks for having me in your place. I appreciate it. Of course. Devin. Um, Yes. Yes, so you are, we're in... Is this Hollywood? We're in Hollywood, this right? This is uh, Los Feliz, I believe. Yeah, okay. so just on the edge of East Hollywood. The Eastern Hollywood. I guess the east side of Hollywood. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have such a radio voice. Thank you. <laughs> it's just like such a professional voice. I think it's just low. I think that maybe I think that's it's just what I mean. That's that maybe is. that's <laughs> in my mind. That's the same thing. Yeah. It just well, sounds like a perfect voice. Well, hey, I'll take the compliment. Yeah, Thank uh, you. dude. Yeah, I remember yeah. you caught my. Like attention because um, I was at UCB and like I literally just said, but uh, you were doing this uh, Herald night and you were just totally killing it. I thought it was so funny. I was with my friend Brett after um, we were taking 401 and we were just like watching a show, like one of the free shows. Uh And then, um, and then I coincidentally also saw you on Facebook doing stand-up comedy on Kimmel, mm-hmm. and I was so inspired. I just thought it was Thank like awesome because I do improv and I do stand-up. Cool and. I was like, wow, I want to do that. And yeah. then I wanted to interview you for a while because I want to like see how you do that. And like <laughs> how you're doing the things you're doing. You're yeah. doing a lot of cool stuff. Cool, man. We went to rival colleges. You went to USC. That's right. You're a UCLA guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, and which is also cool. You did the Laugh Bowl. I did the Laugh Bowl. And yeah. I did it. The Laugh Factory's Laugh Bowl, which is a college competition that I don't think exists anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. They mm-hmm. stopped doing it. It never really made any sense. It was just a it was a competition where it was the idea was who's funnier, kids at UCLA or USC. That was like the premise. And so there were multiple rounds of like performing uh at the Laugh Factory, but you were only ever competing against people from your own school was the way it was structured. It was so weird. And there was like online voting on different clips. That was and completely stuff. rigged. Completely rigged. My buddy, a friend of mine who did it another year who I won't name worked up a computer program to vote for himself really? a ton of times. Yeah. Wow. And I don't begrudge him at all because he was funny and uh, people were doing crazy things to get the votes high on that stupid college comedy competition. I don't know why anyone would bother. I mean, it was a cool opportunity, but it was so weird that we had to like hustle online to push clips. It was weird. Cause the first few rounds you had to um, go against your peers. Yes. And then in the final round, you like finally, you go finally against, face off against the, the other, other college. So you're so only weird. ever not. And all the people, most of the people who were doing stand up from USC, like knew each other at least a little bit. So we were kind of only competing against, you could only knock out your friend. Yeah. You know, for like the first two rounds. I know that was, that uh, was, was kind of a sad thing. Um, but yeah, I did it the first that year the first that they one. ever did it. Uh, Very cool. Won. I won the call it the laugh. Nice. Bowl. But uh, mainly because the competition was very slim. I would were say. there good people from UCLA? There were. Um, boy, I'd be hard pressed to remember exactly who. They, but I, uh, I'm not remembering a name, but I know there were at least one or two who I feel like I still see around. You know, uh-huh. some people who continued to do it. Um, they were definitely funny people. Um, I also interviewed John Ranitsky, who sure. won the yeah. later version. That's right. Yeah, he and I went to USC at the same time, and uh, we did some stand-up shows together. He's younger stuff. than you, though. Is that right? Right? I mean, because uh, I think he we won were either this, after. He might have just done it the next year. Oh. Because I think I won it my like sophomore or junior year. Oh, no way. Um, That's so cool. So... I think he might have just done it. I think he was my class. If oh, not, we were was. like one year apart in some way. 
But That's I think cool. he was my class, yeah. Nice. Because he was up... over in the theater department, and I was in the film department. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. But uh, we knew a lot of the same people, and we, we hung out Dude, a lot. Dude, a lot of cool people come out of SC, it yeah. seems like. It was a cool uh, scene. Did you time. know, um, like, the Good Neighbor guys? Uh, they were just before me. Like, I think Kyle and Beck and Nick graduated from USC if not one year before me, maybe two, but I think the year before I got there was their last year. Interesting. Um, but uh, they were, they knew a lot of the, we knew, we all ended up knowing a lot of the same people. I've never met them, but uh, but yeah, they, they came out of USC in like 2007 or 2008 or something, sometime around then. Yeah, but uh, didn't have any overlap with those guys. But that was like a precursor to then a bunch of other cool people who came out of there. A lot of improv people, um, you know, uh, Dan Lippert from UCB, Jacob Reed, Justin Michael, Clay Larson, uh, a lot of people. Um, it was cool. There were there was a lot of good comedy there. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. There's all these. I noticed in LA, there's pockets of like different alumni uh, mm-hmm. groups that all hang out and like do really cool stuff together. Um, it seems like like Emerson and USC are the big ones that I've seen. Yeah, some UCLA people are doing cool stuff right now, but I don't know like a lot of older people it seems like Mm -hmm. the people i know are all doing stuff not at like the high level yet but it seems like the established groups are like emerson and sc i don't know the other ones uh yeah i guess that would be yeah they they, both of those have a strong uh, la presence obviously because emerson has that whole other campus here now and has a whole they would have a whole like um they're like uh i think they do what like ithaca college did too if they have basically a study abroad program for like film and tv majors but instead of going abroad you go to la you know yeah. you live and work in la for six months or whatever um so yeah they have a strong presence there and then sc is you know obviously very plugged in you're, since you're going to school here mm-hmm. um yeah so there was a lot of uh, a lot of comedy people coming out of there for sure how much do you think um being at uh usc helped your like comedy TV career um, it's kind of hard to quantify right because uh, you know you get these jobs through all sorts of different avenues that um, you know it's hard to trace the sequence of events back to exact yeah ba- especially back to the source of like getting a degree in screenwriting or whatever but I do think that um, I think it helped a lot in terms of it helped me move to LA uh, you know, I went there for undergrad and uh, I knew I wanted to study writing for film and TV. And um, it was a good way to get me to move to the city and kind of get used to the city and make friends in this city. And then, you know, for four comfortable kind of safe years, sort of move to L.A. with training wheels on a little bit and then uh, move into just be an adult here fighting yeah. for a job. I think that was helpful. I obviously like met a lot of really great um, people that I collaborated with in a lot of different ways in school and beyond and got a lot of great instruction in terms of um, writing of obviously and then a lot of other specific um, things and uh, you know and then just that helped the biggest thing I guess is would directly if you could probably connect the two would just be um, continuing to do stand-up in there in college and stuff but also College was when I really first started doing long form improv, which with people who would end up at UCB, and that so that helped like bridge the gap between me getting into getting in at UCB and just um, and I think that not that that community is like solely responsible for because um, it feels separate from my kind of TV writing career, I guess. But uh, I think that was a big step just in terms of meeting all the people at UCB and um, getting plugged in there and. Uh, that went a long way to the early steps of kind of building a career and same with the early steps of stand-up too. They all kind of, I was, it was at USC that I was kind of starting to do more stand-up again in LA and stuff. And so it helped me kind of get into the LA stand-up scene, which helped a lot too. That's cool. Did you start doing stand-up at SC or did you do it at all in Seattle? I did it in high school in Seattle. Oh, nice. Yeah. I did it a little bit, uh, I started when in my like my freshman year of high school. I would do a little bit really? of stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like fourteen. Yeah. I probably did insane. I was probably fifteen when I first did stand up. Yeah. And then would you do it consistently or I would do it the <laughs> what it was was uh, my high school would have these um uh open mic nights put on by the language arts department like once a month. Wow. Where it would just be a random Tuesday night that they 
you know, set up like a curtain and some lights in a classroom at like seven o'clock at night and kids, you know, would come after school and uh, it would be mostly like singer songwriters and slam poets and stuff. And then it was me and my buddy, Sean McCarthy, who's a stand up in New York now, um, who uh, he was a year older than me. And I went to one of those when I was in eighth grade and he was in ninth grade and I went and checked it out and saw him do stand up there. And I was like, I had already liked stand up on TV and stuff, but I saw him do it. And then I was like, okay, great. I can do stand like, it just seemed normal to me. It was it was as if I'd like watched someone play soccer and was like, maybe I'll try out for the soccer team or something. It was yeah, like, I saw, saw someone do stand up. Doing it. Someone That's, my yeah. age do stand up and like do okay. And I was like, cool. I guess I'm a, there's a place where I'm allowed to tell jokes. That's so that cool. felt pretty safe. And so it would just be that every once a month I would do a f- like five minute set at this open mic night. Did it go well? Yeah, it did go decently well. Well enough for me to keep going. Like, I'm sure I have some of those notes from that time. And, you know, it's not good. But um, I had, like, just enough of something, I think, to make. It went over just well enough that it kept me moving forward in it, I think. That's so interesting. I feel like that validation at a super early age helps so much. Yeah, it was huge. Because it just was a thing that I, um, you know, I, I just didn't question that I could at least try to do it. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of roadblocks set up in other places just to get people to even try to go on stage and do yeah. it. And I just lived in my high school. was a It was a great high school and uh, for, for creative stuff and, you know, theater and all that stuff. So music. And so it was just a place where that was, you know, completely accepted. And, you know, it wasn't like a crazy thing for me to do. Uh, and... You know, a lot of people don't even have the option to try to be on stage doing stand-up until they're like 25 or something. Yeah, know? that's so interesting. I feel like I had a similar kind of experience where I was I was doing a film camp at UCLA when yeah. I was 15. And then... Right. Uh, those are cool. They do that at USC too. And those film camps are cool. Yeah, it was like US Performing Arts. That cool. was the one. And then um, I was just doing these like impressions and stuff for my friends. And then they thought it was so funny. And then it, there was like the camp talent show. And then they made yeah. me go on. Great. They're like, you have to just go do yeah. it. Great. And I'm like, I don't have anything. And I was just doing the things that I did. Like I was doing like Seinfeld impressions. Sure, totally. And so I was like, oh, oh, oh Jerry, you're never going to believe yeah, it. And sure. I was just like doing like some improvised Seinfeld thing. And great. like that fed into, I was like, oh, this is actually fun. And then people <laughs> laughed. And then the, yeah. I feel like that validation just helped. A lot. Yeah, everybody's got some early moment like that, I guess, right? Something that made you uh, like think, oh, I forward. can do this. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was when I started. That's cool. Did mm-hmm. you um, ever participate in the Seattle comedy scene? Uh, not as much as I would have liked. And, you know, because I was kind of mostly just doing it at my school. I did a few shows at some local clubs there towards the end of my, like, junior and senior year of high school. Like Laughs Comedy Club. Oh, wait, I guess it was something else back then. Um, the one that I would perform Giggles. at was Giggles on uh, Roosevelt. It was the same street as my high school. Yeah. And, uh, oh, no way. I performed there a couple of times, a handful of times. Um, now it's Laughs. Now it's Laughs. It's changed hands a couple of times. That Angela and Dave... It was um, briefly before I got there. And then after I had gotten there, they closed and reopened as a strip club named Jiggles. Jiggles? Um, So it went from Giggles Giggles. to Jiggles. That's so funny. And then back to Giggles again. Oh, my God. And then to laughs. So it's it's a verb every time. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Are you plugged into the stuff going on? A little bit. I know some people up there just because I go back there at least a couple times a year and I try to hop on some shows if I can. I'm not great about that, though, to be honest. So I know a handful of people there and uh, who run some shows and I know some of the comics there, but I'm not as plugged in as uh, as I would like to be. But there's cool stuff going on. I did stand up there last cool. year. I was where, like where living... Like laughs, comedy underground. Yeah, uh, we did a show at the parlor. Sure, um, which is now closed down. Yeah. Um, do you do, there's the one on um, there's that Thai place, Jai. Yeah, Thai, Jai Thai, whatever. and Jai Thai is now Broadway. Yeah, which changed, and cool. now they open. Uh, what is it called? Club Comedy. Gotcha. On Broadway, it's a new one owned gotcha. by Rick, who ran Jai Thai. He like left, I guess, and started a new one. But yeah, I lived in Seattle last year. Really, like great. To, I because I work in tech, so oh, I was great. there after college, and then I moved back awesome. down to LA because I like LA more. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would move back to. I would move back home to Seattle. You would. I would. I think. Really. Yeah, I think I would, but, Even but not right now. You have all the writing stuff. Not right now. Like I, but I, I would like to live there. Like again to settle eventually. down. Or I would something. like to live there again eventually at some point. 
but um, but uh, I like being. Uh, it's I th- well I think cities like that are becoming more like I feel like it used to be that if you lived there and kind of were a comedian there then you might be a big fish in a small pond kind of thing you know of like yeah you do fun shows and stuff but maybe you wouldn't ever get to like fully kind of test your full potential um, but I think with the rise of internet and passing things stand up along like that it's just local comedy scenes are much more like valid now and uh are just like bigger and important you can live in these cities and like be a working professional stand-up you don't have to live in new york and la as much um i think it helps a lot but you don't have to uh and so i think as that continues to to i think that trajectory is going to continue and if that's the case then i think there would be a time when i could just pick a city that was more just like a city like Seattle or somewhere that I really, really wanted to live as opposed to a place that I felt like I like had to have live. to for a career, um, which is definitely part of why I came down here. I love Los Angeles, but it's definitely, you know, a, yeah. would, I don't think I would have chosen to come down here if I hadn't wanted to do what I wanted to do. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like even, um, the guys that do dry bar comedy in the Midwest, mm-hmm. like you can just do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're making so much, well, they're from, what is it, Angel? I'm not sure. I don't know. Dry Bar Comedy's like actually, I was looking into it. It's owned by that like company that censors um, like Netflix show, like streaming services shows, and they'll like blurb out all the um, curse words. It's like a Weird. popular thing, I think, and for like Mormon families. Weird. But um, I don't know. Those comics are like seeming to do so well. And yeah. That's crazy. I'm sure they, do, I'm sure they and, do nicely. Yeah. Um, and just like people coming out of Denver and stuff and Portland and Austin and, you know, these are towns that weren't, have always had comedy scenes and stuff, but weren't necessarily launching like big national acts. And now I think like big national acts get to come out of these smaller cities, which is cool. Have you heard of the, um, that BYU sketch? No. Bring them young as a sketch group. Like the big, it's actually insane. Like, have you seen that? You must've seen this video on Facebook where it's like a sketch where they're playing, um, it's like volleyball, and they have one for soccer as well, and it's like two teams, and the person keeps getting hit in the face. And it's like super well-produced, has like millions of views, and it's just like a classic like UCB kind of sketch. Right. Like it's like a very like beat, like heightening, you know, and it's like really well-produced. But apparently there's this Mormon sketch group (laughs) that does them all, and like one of my friends, friends who was like doing sketch at UCB, I think was a, uh, they hired him and they pay like six figures to write just sketch comedy. And but Jeez. you have to, I guess the catch is you have to live in the Midwest, but shows you that you don't have to be in LA. That's wild. Um, I didn't know that was a thing yeah. until like That's a couple months ago, but like their sketches are actually funny too. I think it'd be hard to do comedy at Brigham Young University, but I know I it's insane. Not. They have like their own channel and everything. That's wild. Yeah. Very cool. But um, yeah, I'm so interested in, how you kind of got your start like after college and like what that was like going into the world from, you know, after four years at USC, you were doing second nature. Right? Second the nature was the team at USC. Team. Yep. And mm-hmm. then doing some stand up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that transition like to um, real world? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, I got a job kind of quick um, at this production company that I had interned at um, called Prospect Park. Uh, I was their receptionist for, a year and a half, something like that. Um, but that was good just to get a um, stable day job um, within a few months of graduating. That was pretty lucky. Um, and that goes such a long way. I feel like to it was a kind of clean nine to five so I could keep doing um, shows and stuff at night. Um, and it was kind of right out of... Um, I just started doing a lot of stand-up around open mics of town, uh, kind of right after I graduated. So that was a big part of just kind of getting more involved, transitioning into like the actual scene of the city um, as opposed to just weird competitions. Uh, And then that was also when I started, I just, I guess it must've been maybe a year and a half or two after I graduated, maybe a year after I graduated that I took all the classes at UCB and um, auditioned for, uh, a Herald team and got on a Herald team in like 2013 or 2014. So oh, within a couple okay. years, uh, yeah, 2014. When did you graduate? 2011? 2012. 2012. So within, I think I started taking classes about a year after I graduated and I just took all four in a row and then got on a team. Um, 
Whoa, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was it was lucky. I think I had some really good teachers, and I think I auditioned at the right time. Like I think it just like it lined up nicely, and I think I got really lucky with my opportunity to audition for that. And you went right to Harold team, like not the um, what's the other one that didn't exist back then. The mess hall teams. Oh yeah, that was like two or th- probably about two years before they introduced mess hall. Nice. So you kind of got in. I mean. Kind of early in UCB. When did UCB start? I don't know. 2005. Okay. Something like that. So you like still that. got in a good time. Before, was it I before feel like there's a crazy? huge, giant uh, generation above me. Um, I think I auditioned in one of the last years before it got really crazy in terms of just the number of people that they see auditioning every year. Like now, I think it's about 500 people every season. Um, oh, my at, God. At least. I think it might be closer to six at different times. Uh, I'm not sure what the numbers would have been the year I auditioned, but probably not more than... 350 or something you know like i i think still i got lot. in before it, still a lot but i think i got in before it got like really big before they're like you got to do ucb to do acting it was definitely i was definitely stuff. like part of that crest like I, I i wouldn't claim to be too far ahead of that because yeah. like i was one of those people being like oh i gotta get in at ucb you know i was going to shows and seeing how it worked and uh um but yeah now it's you know it's been going on a long time now and it's uh yeah, it's interesting to see the different generations of it. But yeah, so I just got pretty lucky with that a couple years out. Um, and then just kept kind of working away at stand-up at different indie shows and stuff, just bar shows and stuff. Like, you know, I still don't do a ton of... I've done a few sets at some of the bigger clubs and stuff, but much more on just kind of the more indie scene, I guess, with stand-up. Um, so I just kind of plugged away on both of those uh, at the same time and... Uh, was able to kind of get into that circuit of slightly better indie bar shows in LA with stand up at the same time that I got on a house team at UCB. So it just kind of um, happened uh, just through kind of working away at it for the couple years out of college um, while working that day job. Were those your two main focuses, like improv and stand up? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I was working on some other writing and stuff, but um, and we I made a lot of sketch videos with some friends of mine. Um, in this group we did called the last spaceman that was like right out of college. Um, is that still together? No, we haven't made videos in a while. Um, but everybody's still working and doing cool stuff, but we just kind of, uh, we all, we had one point, a lot of us had sort of lived in a house together and then we kind of moved out of that house and things like that. And everyone just sort of moved on and didn't want to make YouTube sketch videos anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it was really fun to do and a lot of cool, um, people to work with and, uh, and so we were make. I, I was kind of doing all three of those things at the same time of kind of right, right out of sketch. college. Yeah, trying to make sketch videos, um, do as many stand-up shows as I can, and get on a house team at UCB. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Were you, you felt like you were able to, like, progress at all of them and not skimp on any of them? Did you ever feel that kind of, like, pressure? Yeah, I mean, you can not. I definitely feel it now with this, too, uh, with the way my schedule is now, like I'm not doing as much stand up as I would like to in this exact moment, but it kind of comes and goes, um, just depending on what's working a little better or what's taking up a little more of your time at any given point. Um, you know, I think I had a little more time for stand up back then and I wasn't, didn't have as many, uh, UCB commitments as I do now. So I, uh, the balance was probably a little more even back then, um, which helps. And, you know, I just, like, didn't have any responsibilities or anything and was just, like, living in a house with guys who like comedy, you know, right out of school. So it just was, and working a mindless job. So it's just, like, how I spent all my time, you know. Interesting. Yeah. And your job, it was just 9 to 5. Like, did you just have to commute to a lot? Like, Yeah, it was, uh, but I was out in Sherman Oaks and I was commuting to Century City, um, so which was So then you could be in great. L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was fine, but it was just like, it took up no mental space for me. So it was such a lame job, but that was good just to have a steady paycheck to pay the bills while I was able to do these other things. So I'm lucky for that. But, uh, so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm always like constantly thinking, I mean, I have a day job too, and I'm just always trying to like organize my schedule and figure out like how I can really feel that I'm like progressing in comedy because it's so easy to like kind of mindlessly go to open mics, which yes. I'm trying not to do. Yes. Because like, what's the point? And then right. like also, sure, like I have an opportunity to do like improv practice groups, but like 
if I just do practice groups, where is that going to go? Mm-hmm. Do you like, how would you think about that stuff? Like, cause obviously you want to get better. And at the same time, like see that you're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, I would do all that stuff of like, sometimes it just takes a long drip of going to open mics either present or not, but just like making yourself do it. And then like, I feel like I did a lot of improv practice groups without even really thinking twice about it. Just kind of being like, well, I'm in this group and we're meeting to rehearse. So, um, I was also lucky in that I was never like piecing a group together from just like strangers I met in class. I was like doing groups with like this group. I was on the holdup that was all USC people. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, there was like five of us who had kind of graduated around the same time. And so we just did a bunch of shows together and stuff like that. That helped a lot. From second nature. Uh, yeah. Second nature and some of the other improv teams at UCB or um, USC. Um, and, uh, yeah. So just, uh, I think you got to do a lot of that stuff and just trust that that stuff is building your skills and helping you meet these people and work with these people and, you know, figure out who you like to work with and all, all those things that become the foundation of what you need to, to move forward and succeed. And then, it, you know, progress can be so incremental in that way. Uh, but you know, then suddenly you look back and you're like, Oh wow, I've been like plugged into this community for a couple of years now. And I can see that I'm further along than where I was, you know? Um, I think it's just about sort of committing to it and not always like gunning so hard for, the exact brass ring that they're telling you to gun for, but just being there and kind of being yeah. around and being consistent with what you're putting out. Um, just that people kind of think of you at all, you know, sometimes I feel like there's just so much stuff to do. I don't even know like how to choose. Right. Yeah. It's like almost overwhelming when you go to the comedy bureau and there's so many shows. I know so there's a things. ton. There's a like, ton. What the hell do you, I know like, I guess you could just throw a dart or you can just go to the same ones over and over again. But right. it's like, what do you like? Just, just got to find what just works pick. for you. I think you got to just, just find like, for like what feels good for you of like, you know what? I like these three open mics and they, they're, they work well for me to run material. You know, I like, um, this group of people I do improv with, so I'll keep practicing with them and trying to do shows with them and, you know, just kind of steering towards what feels good and funny and successful like it could be you know like you could do it yeah. for a while um and then the rest kind of falls into place i think do you, you know f- do you feel like um your ucb community and like your you doing improv uh that trajectory overlapped with your stand-up trajectory where did you like meet some of the same people did you like get opportunities from each other, each thing, like the one getting opportunities from the other, or like uh, a little bit separate track. They are pretty separate tracks in a lot of ways, which is a little too bad. But, um, but also, yeah, a lot of the same people kind of, you know, a lot of people doing shows at both at a lot of standups doing shows at UCB and then like UCB people doing characters on standup shows or whatever. There's definitely like cross pollination there. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some cool overlap, but they are surprisingly separate uh, tracks in a lot of ways too. Um, definitely like different groups of people, you know, like mm-hmm. when I go to, different when I go to like a birthday party of like a stand up or something, it's a completely different circle of people than yeah. when I go to a birthday party of a UCP person, um, with, you know, some, a couple people in the middle of that Venn diagram, you know, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Definite cross pollination, especially with how much people like to make videos or whatever. I feel like stand ups end up talking to actors at UCB and actors end up talking to stand ups to help them write or whatever it is, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's some good overlap there. Interesting. Of all the comedy things, is there one that you're more particularly drawn to? Uh, like of all the forms? Uh, yeah, the form. Um, you know, hard to say. I think. Uh, I think the common denominator of it all is probably writing, even in improv. It's just writing on your feet, you know, and generating ideas on your feet. So I think that's kind of the center point. Um, Even though I'm doing less of it now, I think like stand up would be probably the hardest one for me to give up all the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because you can always do it and you only need you to do it and you can, you should be able to do it for as long as you would ever want to do it. If you have some traction with it. Um, so it feels like knowing how to play the guitar or something, you know, it just feels like something that is really individual and is a skill that 
could never leave you if you mm-hmm. kept it up. Um, you know, and which makes me think of it in a longer term way. Like, I don't think I'd be doing, I don't think I'd be dying to do improv into my like fifties and sixties, but I think I would probably, depending on how things shake out, I think I would be interested in being able to do some form of stand up to an older age. Yeah, totally. Um, just it feels a little more. Yeah, I don't know. It feels a little more like permanent in that way. So, but I, I, I just like kind of throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, and kind of trying a lot of different things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's really sorry. I totally. I don't know why my brain just like. Just now. <laughs> um, no, I actually feel the same way about stand up. I yeah. feel like of all the things, I love all of them, but I feel like you get just like that's it, cool comparing it to guitar. You can just kind of like. Mm-hmm. It just feels good to just yeah. go up and do it. Yes. And you can do it by yourself. And yeah, there's not like the pressure to be like, you, you need a team, you need a group. Right. Like that, this almost really cool. just the logistics of just being able to be like, I think I'm going to go drive and go do a open mic. You know, it's like a luxury that you don't have with those other forms mm-hmm. um, of being able to do live performance. I really like the collaborative live performance and the theatricality of the live performance of improv is like very fun and exciting to me. Um, and not something I would get, like take for granted, but, uh, but I do kind of selfishly like that individual thing a little more. Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest like things I always hear about UCB and I've kind of felt it, um, for some reason less so at the beginning and more so now, but the idea that it's like restricting in a way for improv, like mm-hmm. the, the whole UCB, like, um, like paradigm of like honing in on the first like uh, interesting thing and stuff like that. Sure. The f- the format of teaching game for scenes and stuff. Yeah. People call it Mad Libs improv. Oh, really? Of like, you know, you're just plugging in. Yeah, fill this 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 and this right. like we have a really good coach um on and Yeah, he's great. He's all, yeah, he's awesome. And um he explains it so well and so concisely. Cool. But then, like, once you break it down, it's like, oh, this could be broken down into kind of like a Mad Libs mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's a simple, oversimplified way to put it. Yeah. Um, that's not been my experience with UCB. I, I, my take on it is just, like, um, it can be whatever you make it. So if, you know, that's just, like, the framework that they're teaching you. Um, but everyone knows that the whole point of this is great. Improv is something that is really inspired and improvised and, you know, pulled out of thin air and we, the people doing it aren't even sure what it's going to be right in the moment that it starts. Um, so you just use that framework to then do whatever you think is really funny. Like, you know, especially once you get beyond the basic like Harold Knight structure of it all and you just go and see a great group and you see Betsy Sidaro or Drew Tarver just like rip it up on stage or something. You know, obviously these are like incredibly strong personality based performers, but, um, you know, you're not thinking at all about the Mad Libs of it all. You're just watching some, you're watching someone be really themselves and be really funny while doing it. Um, and they put in a lot, that's because they put in a lot of time to learn those structures and learn how to be funny within them. And now they can work beyond them. Uh, and just be them, you know, purely themselves because they have a such a high baseline, um, you know. So it's it, I think it's just more about I think that structure is only limiting if you make it limiting mm-hmm. and kind of really force yourself to be like, well, I got to say this at this time. It's like sometimes you do, but a lot of times you don't like you got to just the whole practice of it, I think, is training your instincts as much as you can. So that then when you actually do it, you're just relying on your instincts. So sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. But if you just put yourself in that situation a lot to find out what you're in, to sharpen your instincts as much as you can. So that in any given situation, if you're surprised by something, you have good instincts about how to handle it. And yeah. like how to make it funny. Um, you know, so I, I think it's uh, I think the best people at the theater have no problem breaking out of the basic frame of whatever structure we're taught in the classes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I think I noticed that like in classes, it's probably more mechanical just cause you're mastering the form and totally. you're learning the form. Absolutely. But then when you go to the actual Herald shows, like sometimes they'll be like, Oh, they broke a rule, but it's like just funny. Right. So it's exactly. like, who cares? Exactly. 
Yeah, and I think sometimes people take the class stuff a little too rigidly in that way when they are then out of the classes, you mm-hmm. know, in that way of being like, well, I, you know, I can't break these rules. Or whatever. It's like, no, we couldn't break those rules in that class because it would have been chaos, you know, because yeah. like, there's people in here learning this for the first time. So I need to teach everybody the rules pretty strictly. Um, but when you're actually doing it, like no one's really talking about that as much. Yeah. I, I noticed for me, like sometimes I would, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not like the kind of person who's like, yeah, I don't like UCB. I don't like playing by the rules, but I, I have had like, like kind of a, an experience where I felt like me being myself funny was like, and it would do well, but it's just like, oh, that's like not correct. Right. And then well, I'm like, and yeah. I'm like uh, beating myself up because like sometimes the way I'm naturally funny, it's like hard for me to do this form. Sure. Um, but like, cause I've definitely done improv shows that have gone well. Um, like for, cause I've done like improv at UCLA and stuff like that. Right. But for me, for whatever reason, I, I kind of struggle with like getting through the really like mechanical mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. To, like the exercises in the class and not like I can't do it or I'm like not, I, it just doesn't come as natural. That's like not mm-hmm. how I'm naturally funny. Right. Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of people too. Yeah. Uh, like that's, I, I think a lot of people experience that and can kind of feel uh, daunted by the sort of headiness of it at times, just because like, yeah, some people do, some of the funniest people I know are not funny in that way or, or struggle with some of that aspects, you know, the structure of it doesn't come as intuitively to them, but like they'll make the audience laugh harder than anybody on stage, you know? So, uh, it's just about figuring out, just leaning into your strengths. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people like doing UCB that might feel like that, that like how they can get through that kind of, you just got to keep doing it and trust the way that you are funny, trust the way that you know you're funny and, and hope that other people, buy into that which i think they will if they see you being genuinely funny and having a good time doing it then you then you get notes that are kind of like all right you should maybe not have said that but it worked i don't know why you know it was great and and you know uh and just not get um just remember that at the end of the day like the point of this is to do it in front of an audience and entertain them uh, yeah and not be so worried about that's not always going to come through like getting the math right a lot of it comes through getting the math right because you're, you know, you're tapping into subconscious things of just yeah, like, yeah. you know, like calling back a joke at the end of the show or something is just going to make the audience laugh. It just works, you know, that's just math. But um, so knowing to do that can be a valuable tool, but also just being a force of nature is a valuable tool. So um, you just have to be funny the way you want to be funny. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, how, after, um, after you had that first job as a secretary, mm-hmm. how did you, uh, transition? Cause now you're like a writer. That's right. Right. For Jimmy Kimmel. That's right. Life. Yes. Um, did you have any other jobs in between or like, I did, did. kind of go? Um, yeah, I, um, I got my first sort of writing job. The way it happened was I, um, just got a little bit of traction through stand up. Um, I got a, uh, manager and uh he got me a um audition for adam divine's house party the stand-up show and so uh and they liked me and so i ended up taping an episode of that in 2014 or 2015 2015 i think um and so that kind of got me in a little bit at comedy central and knowing some of those people uh and then um then in between that, that was in like the winter of 2014. Then spring of 2015, I uh, got hired to write for Billy Eichner's game show, Billy on the Street, um, oh, just cool. through submitting a packet um, that like he had, he had paid me for some joke questions the year before that I just like submitted as a packet. Um, and uh, had actually like Skype interviewed me that year before, but didn't hire me. Just like I wrote like 15 questions and emailed them to him. And then he came out here to do a like writer's table for Billy on the street and um, just had a couple of random people in that room. And I got to be in the room and then I think he liked me in the room. So he had me come out uh, to 
New York to write for five weeks in the spring of 2015. Oh, wow. So you show. already had quit, obviously, this other yes, job. Yes, at that point I had left. I forget how exactly I left that job. I don't remember what came after. I think what might have come right after that was I was a clip researcher at Re- Ridiculousness on MTV, the Rob uh, Deerdeck show. So I watched, oh. I just like combed through YouTube to find uh ski do accidents uh for like eight hours a day wow uh it's just like a random stopgap job so i think random. after I, yeah but like a lot of cool comedians were in that room and stuff like hampton yount was in that room and uh like i was just a, a researcher but uh christian DeGay. um and uh but yeah so anyway so then billy on the street was my first like real um professional writing job um but it was only like five weeks. I just like went out to New York for a month and um, came back. And then that summer um, I got put up for a job writing on workaholics. And so, and I got that job because I knew them through, I got that interview and knew them through Adam Devine's house party. So cool. Uh, And so then I got to write on the last season of workaholics that summer. Wow. Uh, What, What kind of stuff do you do in between? Those things, just like the odd job kind of L.A. stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, well, you know, the interesting thing is sort of about how they pay you for some of that stuff is it's kind of like lump sum sort of salary. So I just kind of lived off of what I had made at the last job for a while while just like doing shows and and odd jobs. I was coaching a lot of improv and picking up some cash doing that and, um, you know, and then different freelance things here and there, different, you know, video shoots for a couple hundred bucks or whatever it is here and there. Um while then trying to get the next gig. So yeah, just kind of, but mostly just doing shows in between, mostly just trying to do as much comedy as possible. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and so I did 10 weeks on workaholics. Uh, and then, uh, and that was, yeah, 2016. And then I just submitted a packet for Kimmel in, on like new year's day, uh, the, uh, 2017, I guess. Right. And, uh, yeah. And then got hired that January. Um, so all those jobs kind of happened in about a year and a half, two years, something. Nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've been there since January, 2017. That's so cool. So it's pretty much a stable thing. Yeah. It's been lucky for me in that it's been a stable trajectory over there so far. Is that Uh, typical? Um, you know, yes and no. Um, it's a competitive world and, uh, uh, we've definitely like had people on for shorter periods of time and then they've been let go or they've left and moved on. And, um, but, and there are a lot of people who have been there kind of since the beginning, but I think generally if you can kind of get in there and, and kind of prove yourself, uh, for at least a, a few months, they'll, they'll give you a shot for a while. Um, so, uh, but you know, you got to keep your performance up, but yeah, it's, uh, I, th- I don't think I had, uh, any type of meteoric rise there or anything, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's been comfortable. It's been nice. That's cool. I want to dive more into that, but I have a random question about sure. like when you're in between jobs, I was always wondering this. Yeah. There's such a kind of, I imagine at least there must be like a lack of structure all of a sudden yes. when you don't have the nine to five. Yeah. And I know that like, at least the closest thing I can compare it to is like in college over summer break. If you don't have like an internship for like a couple weeks, it just like, even doing stand-up at night, even though you're doing that, I felt that like it could be kind of like depressing to not have a structure. Yeah, it's hard. And I really respond to structure. That's kind of how I work. And so it's hard to not have that. And it's hard not to steer into bad habits and just kind of, you know, and also like there's only so much you can do at a certain point of like, well, you know, I did work on my script for an hour today. I did go to an open mic and I did send out four resumes but even that all only took like three hours or whatever. And I'm still just like here, um, you know, and I'm not much of a like hustle driven person in that way either. Um, so that's the hard part of the lifestyle of doing all of this, I think is having that downtime in between and managing to stay driven and focused and moving forward. Um, that's where it's helpful to be doing live performance and stuff and just like have a show you're kind of working towards at least every like couple of weeks or, you know, a few times a month or something. Like if you're doing live sketch or something, just be like, well, I got to put that show together before the last Wednesday, you know, all that kind of shit. In a weird way, that empty time after you do the three hours of stuff sounds what like what it would be like when you're just retired. Right. As like a retired person. Yeah, totally. And so it's weird to suddenly have that when you really don't want to be retired. And especially when you don't know where the next thing is going to come from. 
So you uh, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know where your next paycheck is. You know. Jeez. Was uh, that hard for you? Yeah, that's tricky. But I I can't sit here and claim that I had a really difficult time. I was lucky in that I never went too long without getting some kind of, if not good job like these ones that I've been lucky enough to have, at least some kind of freelancey thing that like bridged the gap from one month to the next. You know, like I always made rent. Um, so. I've I've had some friends who have had real tough times in those yeah, in between times, and uh, and so I can't claim to have I've I've lucked out, um, but it's hard. It's stressful. It's just a form of stress that you're like I'm just trying to do this funny creative thing, and I know I'm good at it, and I know I, you know, someone paid me before. I'd like to get paid again, but right now I'm not. It's a hard place to exist. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're a, a TV writer, like for a late night show, is that the same as being like a, like what is it called? Like when you, the WGA like writer for a, like a regular TV show, like the is same, it the same kind way. of thing. Um, I don't know. I was just doing research and I saw that, um, writers get paid an incredibly high amount from being, uh, like just in the writer's guild. Is that yeah. the same thing? I was uh, always wondering that cause I have like tons of friends that are applying to like TV writers mm-hmm. shows and like, yeah, I th- I've heard like different things. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm uh, sorry if that's like a weird question. No, uh, you know, I won't go into specifics on it, but we're p- paid comfortably. Like, uh, you know, we earn a, a nice TV net. We're on a major network. You know, I think that goes a long way to just um, whatever salaries might be is like if yeah. you're, if you're still working in network TV, those are nice jobs to have. Um, yeah, no matter what kind of show it is. Uh, I can't really speak to like comparatively. I, I'm not yeah, as familiar. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with. Um, with how that with the rates of that on other types of shows and stuff um it's a little different being in the guild is great and important and any job that is legitimate enough to uh be wga is a nice job to have just because like the baseline of salaries for wga jobs is nice and then a lot obviously go beyond that and you just have the protections of the union and insurance through the union and all that so anytime you can work at a job like that um, it goes a long way to just, you know, your overall quality of life in terms of, um, you know, whatever you're bringing in and also um, benefits that you want and need. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Do you feel like you're at like your dream job? Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, sure. Um, there's obviously a lot of stuff I still want to do. But uh, yeah, this it's in, in it's it's interesting how every job does become a job, you know, once you have it for a while. But I still, I've been really lucky with this job in particular because even though that is the case and there are parts of it that are definitely a grind, there's still so much that is really exciting to me on a like day-to-day basis. Um, and, uh, you know, so I still really love it in that way. Um, and like just the other day we had like a, a llama on set for like a bit, you know, stuff like that. That's just like dumb Hollywood. It's like, um, like in that Pee Wee's Big Adventure movie when he's wandering or he's running around the back lot and there's yeah. like a Roman centurion in a costume walking past like a showgirl and like a cowboy and a robot, you know, just to be like backstage at one of these shows is like very exciting to me and to, to have something you write then be like thrown together by all these different departments of like costumes and casting and editing and directing and production uh and then be on tv that night it's crazy you know That's so it's cool. crazy uh and so it's uh i'm doing my best to not take it for granted at different times just because now i have been there for a while and i'm you know i'm in the routine of it all um, but there's always enough that's really exciting that it feels special and cool yeah. That's so cool. I'm and sorry. Did you say, did you get hired from the packet? Yeah. Like, and then an interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So you must have had a killer packet. I'm sure I, so many It's not even like, that good when I've gone back and seen it. I mean, I like there was stuff in it that was solid and I think it was, I think it demonstrated my um, kind of grasp of the format in general and like, you know, I think it was um, put together well and I think it demonstrated like who I could be in a writer's room and then I think I, I'm someone who I think also does well in an interview setting too so I, I think that helped was you, just, it was the first time I had submitted a lot of packets to shows like that and it was the first time I'd ever gotten an interview so it, it you know I threw a lot of packets into the wind for years uh, before how many I do got you think? These, at least 15 packets or something 
you know, submitting to all those shows of Conan, Colbert, and you know, um, all Seth Meyers, Fallon, all, all Samantha B over the years. You know, and you get like, those from your like Santa manager because yeah, I know yeah, the Santa yeah. managers give you the packets, right? Or you know, whoever. So they come about in all sorts of ways. I feel like I would end up submitting to all kinds of shows, and not just late night shows either, um, but. So, you know, that's its own grind that people are in. And I got lucky with, you know, I happened to get mine picked off the pile that time. And then I think was able to back it up just enough. Did you feel like you have to be funny during the interview? Um, no, you know, I don't think so. And I think that's like the mistake is to like hit that super hard. I, you know, I, it was just, and the people I was interviewing with, the people at Kimmel are very low key and approachable and easy to chat with. So it was not hard to kind of match their vibe and just meet them at their level and just have kind of, it was just a casual kind of easy conversation. Um, and it just kind of me explaining who I was and you know, what I'd done and what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I don't, I think if you go in there with a lot of like material ready to go, I they're think like, that's going to suck. Like, all right. We don't. <laughs> yeah. Want it's like right the, la- cause all they're doing there is they're like, this packet seems all right. Let me just see if this person is like a normal Acceptable. person. Let me just see if this is a person who like, it's not going to suck to have in a meeting is such a big part of it. Um, you know, and obviously that's a, that, you know, it, you're, you've got the writing information theoretically in the packet. You're like, I think I know what this person, how good this person's writing is. Now let me see what their interpersonal skills are like just in terms of fitting in at this workplace. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. How much time did you spend on the packet? How much effort do you put into those? Like, what's that like? I probably worked on that pretty solid for like a week. Um, just like nonstop. No, but, but just like, you know, chipping away at that of, uh, an hour or two a day for a week. Because mm-hmm. it's not a ton of material either. So, like, I don't like to drive myself crazy on, like, rewriting that a million times. I like to, you know, kind of generate a lot of ideas, then thin those out, and then kind of polish those up and and just submit that. I don't, you know, but I don't like to go too far away from the first, my first thought. Do you uh, run your, like, monologue jokes and, like, do you run the packet by people? I didn't. I didn't. Maybe I did show it to one or two people. I don't think I did. I think I have a weird like pride about that. I think I have a thing where I'm like, I, I will know know when it's good enough, you know? And like, I I know which jokes are good enough and I probably could stand to show it to some more people. Just, it's always helpful to get extra eyes on it. If it's somebody you trust and someone who, you know, knows, knows what you're working for or whatever. But no, I don't think I did share those things with a lot of people. It's also kind of like, that's also like a bit of a favor that like, you don't want to call in like every six weeks and be like, will you read this packet? Like, you know, no one wants to read it, you know? So, um, you know, your buddies will help you out, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I think I didn't want to bother people. And I was like, I can figure this out by myself. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, what's, what's that like, uh, your life like at the Kimmel? It's like a day in the life. At the show, like hours, like uh, I start writing from home here at 7 a.m. Wow, uh, we get an email early. at 7 a.m. with the topics. And then we have to turn in jokes and sketch pitches at 9 a.m. Uh, every day. Every day. 7 a.m. Monday every through morning. Thursday. And then uh, Fridays we don't tape. So Friday we come so in at early. noon. Oh, because it's daily. Mm-hmm, it's daily. Yeah. So Monday through Thursday. I do honestly most of the work for my day between seven and nine at home. And then I get into the office at about 10 uh, and then rehearsals at 11. uh, And then if you have uh, when all the ideas get sent to Jimmy and then he emails us back with what he wants to do. And if you have a sketch that you pitched that he liked and picked for the day, then you're working on that all day. You're just producing that sketch and, being in the edit on that and going up to his office and showing it to him and getting his notes and stuff. If you don't have a sketch picked, uh, then you're just kind of um, at your desk doing sort of a steady stream of kind of joke assignments all day of like, you'll get an email being like, we're going to play these three funny news clips in our monologue tonight. So we just need jokes uh, for Jimmy to say coming out of the clip. Beyond the like once in the morning. Right. Yes. As material gets kind of added throughout the day and the show gets shaped a little more precisely. They know where they have some holes of like, we need some jokes for this, or we need some questions to, uh, we need some lines for this segment we're going to do with this guest or whatever it is. Uh, so you're just kind of working on a, a few assignments an hour for the rest of the day until the show tapes. What's the rest of the day? And like, oh, literally all day. 
yeah, you're just, you know, you'll, you, you'll get that. You'll usually have like a night an evening assignment, you know, that you'll get in the afternoon. So you'll have kind of the afternoon to work on something that's due at five. And, um, you know, uh, and other than that, you're just kind of either preparing for stuff you've got coming up in the next week or whatever, you know, you're just keeping yourself busy. However, there's always, so do you stay in the office literally from 10 AM to like, when, when does this show like tapes at five? Oh, tapes at five. Mm -hmm. So I'm there till from about 10 till five 30 or so. Yeah. Um, cause we kind of stick around to watch the monologue and the comedy pieces and stuff. And then writers kind of trickle out after that. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's nice cause then I have my evenings totally uh, free and uh, you know, a lot of TV writers and stuff end up with their nights kind of taken away. And, uh, so I'm very lucky with that, that it's been no problem to continue doing shows. That's hard though. Waking up so early. I yeah. Like. I'm just in the rhythm with it now, you know? So do you and, sleep less? Yep. Pretty much. Um, I'm not like a huge night owl, but I just sleep about six hours a night. I just, I, I usually go to bed about midnight and wake up at about six. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just kind of got into the rhythm with it at a point. And, uh, and now I wake up about that early on weekends too. And I'm just like, I guess I'm feel, just a, a morning person now. Like yeah. I feel all right hours. doing it. Yeah. Some, you know, obviously sometimes I get pretty burned out, but, um, uh, it's not that bad. And a lot of my shows don't even keep me out that late. Usually yeah. me staying up till midnight is like me doing that by just like watching something too late. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So it's like, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been, uh, I kind of, I clicked into that lifestyle in a way. Again, I respond to like structure and routine of that. So I, I like, and I like something that makes me get up in the morning. I don't like later starts and I don't like staying later at a job. Interesting. You know, so it's, for me, it's cool to like get up and get it all done. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been good. I li- I kind of like that schedule. What if you want to like, do people like take break, like go on vacation or like go home? Like do you go back to Seattle? We have um, some nice structured vacation time throughout the year of like, we have these hiatuses that we end up with about six to eight weeks off a year. What? Um, but they're scattered in like one week or two week intervals. So it's not like you take them when you want. It's like, like I've got the week off before 4th of July and the week of 4th of July coming up. So I've got like two weeks off coming up, okay. um, you know, so, but that's like the longest your break will be. And then maybe you'll have like a week off here and there. So everyone just kind of takes their vacations at the same time. And no one is really taking like leaves of absence or anything like that, or like leaving at a more specific time, unless they need to for personal reasons or family reasons or whatever. Like it's a great place to work in terms of that. It's very accommodating if there's something going on with, you know, your family that you got to get sorted out. Um, but, no, people are working at the show the whole time and just taking those breaks in those structured times. That's yeah, cool. Very, if you're leaving, other than that, you're like leaving the show. Sounds know? like a pretty great job to have. It's a very nice job to have. Yeah, it's uh, very comfortable and very stable and, and very fun. Yeah. That's so cool. It's been great. Um, yeah. What else I want to say? Um, do you feel like being a writer helps you in just getting on stand-up shows and stuff like that. Yeah, it does. I mean, you can't deny that it, it's convenient to have a credit like that. Um, also having a special helped a lot. Um, oh, that's right. I didn't even know. bring that up. You yeah. Comedy central. I, yeah. That was uh, last year. I had a, did a half hour. Uh, it was great. Um, and, uh, that helps a lot just in terms of, you know, I have a good clip to send to bookers and stuff and I need to take more advantage of that and do more of those shows. And, you know, cause, and that's the hardest part of that whole scene is getting booked on shows like that and stuff. And I still am like, you know, because I am not doing it as much, I'm not getting booked on as many shows just because like people need to see you around doing it. There's so many comics that like, why should anyone think of me if they're not seeing me out doing shows? So I'm trying to shift that back into my schedule a little more. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, that's one of the, that's the beautiful thing about working long enough to eventually get those shots and get a credit like that, that comes with a clip like that or whatever is that then, it just becomes that much easier for you to just bit by bit. It gets a little easier for you to do bigger and cooler shows. And that helps you become a better comedian just cause you're doing more time on stage and everything. And, you know, so, um, that's, that's why, that's why you work so hard to get those shots. You know, have you headlined yet? Like clubs and stuff? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I've done longer sets places and stuff. I've like technically headlined, but I haven't done like a weekend at a club. Um, I've, uh, I'm a little more like, I, I probably could off of the half hour, but because of my job makes it a little hard for me to go out of town, um, for that type of specific, like I could go do 
random shows in cities on weekends and stuff. But if you're headlining a club, they really need you there. Like sometimes even Thursday, but like Friday, Saturday, and yeah, maybe Sunday night. So yeah, at least Friday. And and I'm working Fridays, so uh, I haven't really done that as much. Something I would really like to do, uh, and I think I could do at this point. Uh, I've featured a decent amount of times, done like 20 minutes in the middle on a lot of shows. That seems like a hard jump, right? Because like, I mean, it just sounds like if you wanted to actually go around and headline, you'd have to quit. Uh, Yeah, probably. Um, If I wanted to really pursue club headlining around the country in a serious way, I would need to quit. Um, But I don't think I really want to do that. Yeah. I don't think you really have to do that, especially if you have like a good job doing something else. I think there's a lot of ways to keep doing stand up without like headlining clubs in that traditional way. Yeah. Um, but I would still really like to do that just cause I think mainly just that's really uh, excellent practice. Like even just in featuring on a weekend of shows at like the Brea improv as I have before, you know, that's four or five sets of doing 20 minutes each for like a big yeah. crowd. Like that's just like a lot of stage time in a short period of time. And it wasn't until I kind of started doing more of those where I was like, Oh, it'd be great to do this a lot. Cause this is like very helpful. It's a lot better than, you know, obviously a lot better than driving all over town to do three minutes at some place. Yeah. You know? So like just the time, just to get that much time is like so valuable. Um, you know, so I'm just trying to work more of that into my schedule where I can get it. But if I really wanted to like tour, I would probably have to quit. Yeah. But that's not really a lifestyle I think I even want. Yeah. To be like a full like touring stand up. Yeah, I don't like that either. It doesn't appeal to me. It always seems like when I when I think about stand up, a lot of the times, based on a lot of people doing it, it seems like that's like one of the big end goals for people to just tour. It yeah. sounds cool to go on like a tour. Yes, it would be great. I would love to. And, you know, but I look but at not only tour. There's yeah, there's a lot of people who don't only tour. You know, you, you look at like a John Mulaney who is able to do so many things uh, outside of stand up and make so much great TV and uh, content uh, while and then also we'll go on tour to like get that hour ready. He'll go on tour for like, I don't know exactly how long his tours are, but it seems like they're a, a couple of months or something. You yeah. Know? That sounds and manageable. Like, you know, not forever with time in between, but yeah, to, cause if you, if that's your only source of income, you're doing most weekends uh, on the road. Most yeah. weekends of the year are, would be on the road. And that's really hard. I think that's hard yeah. to have a stable relationship, friendship. Yeah, family. Exactly. It's oh just a God. tough, it's just a tough lifestyle. Like it, a lot of people do it and are great at doing it, but I don't think that would be what I would gravitate towards would be that kind of lifestyle, especially when now there are so many ways to do stand up without having to live that life. I think if you back even not so long ago, if you really wanted to do stand up in a big way, you had to do all that stuff and you don't know. What's your ideal? Like, what would be the ideal combination of things? Um, I would like to, you know, eventually be, um, you know, it'd be cool to be at a place like uh, John Mulaney in the sense of like going away and having a great idea for a little TV show and making a little TV show and then touring on a thing, you know, um, like that kind of lifestyle is well, really sure that freedom. Yeah. And, you know, he's obviously so well established through so many years of hard work, but and that now he is more free to kind of around to different projects while having stand-up be kind of a consistent thing underneath I think that would be great would just be able to be to pursue things like you know I have an idea for an animated Netflix comedy but you know let me pitch that and work on that for you know this period of time and then I'm off doing my stand-up shows stuff like I, I it really appeals to me to be able to do a lot of different kinds of things and he's not tethered to like any one project for yeah like- it just you know the willingness to like that's what's cool about something like stand up or improv too. You know, these are things that can kind of always be here. That's what can be consistent for me. Mm-hmm. And then I can, you know, work on a lot of different things within the career or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm inspired. <laughs> well, good. Good. I'm glad. There's so much to, there's so many things to do, so many ways to do it. It's it's yeah. crazy that I mean, it's not crazy. It's really cool that you have a 30-minute special, yeah. but like haven't gone that route of headlining clubs but you've gone the route of like writing and improv yeah and obviously doing a lot of independent stand-up shows yeah Um, these tracks are so um specific to the individual people you know so it's like this is that happens to be my really specific way that it's like unfolded for me so you know no one should get stressed out about it going on one track or another in terms of like yeah like i had that happened to be my the way i kind of 
turned with stand-up. A lot of people go different ways and are just as successful, if not more so. So Nice. Yeah. Um, do you have any things that you want to plug? What should I plug? Um, well, I, uh, you know, um, come by UCB and see Yeti on Herald Night or the Three Princes have some shows. Um, I'll have a podcast coming out soon um, uh, with uh, UCB great Greg Gallant. Oh, uh, called First Hand that'll be on the HeadGum Network. It's sort of a character podcast with a lot of great guests, and that's coming out this month. Uh, yeah, it's coming out in June or July, I think, of this month. So check out First Hand podcast. But that's about it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Follow me at that Devin Field. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, Bros, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.